Kings Westover Hills family. I'm Pastor Brent, and I'm your host tonight. <laughs> All right, what a warm-up, right? Man, I like that. Yeah, I feel like we're in a game show now, right? Yeah, Pastor Alfred's a great hype man, isn't he? Wow. We got, we're ready to go here. We're just warming up. We're getting ready for it. Well, thanks for coming to listen to the not-so-young adult pastor. If you didn't know already, Pastor Mike is in Israel. No, that's not a place nearby. That's the actual nation of Israel with Pastor Jim and several others. Another team is going next week, so an amazing time. The uh, Part of it, Pastor Jim is raising Pastor Mike up and training him uh, to do other trips like this also, and he's taking the lead on mission trips and outreaches too, so just continue to pray for that team as, as they're out there. This is a great environment. I'm not always in Wednesday service even too with teaching various classes and other training events that are going on, but you know, I love the jumpers. Like, give me a shout. All the jumpers, give me a shout, okay? There you go. All right. The jumpers. Now, I'm not a jumper. You know, I've jumped out of plenty of things and off of plenty of things in my previous life in the military, and my jumping days are over. But I love to watch the jumpers. I love, I can appreciate that, even though that's not my gift, not my specialty. You know, one thing, my son is over in Boulevard Worship, and he plays keyboard and, and helps with them in middle school. And I've talked to Pastor David about this, too, about he's learned the skill of jumping while playing keyboard. And until I saw it, I couldn't really picture that. Jumping in work. Just so excited in worship doing that too. It just takes a special talent and ability. So that's not me, but I can appreciate that. And you'll see that this actually ties into the message, okay? It actually ties into what we're talking about. First of all, we are better together. Say it with me, all right? This is one of our core values at Westover. Say it with me. Ready? We are better together. One more time. We are better together. And even though... I can't do something. I appreciate the ones that can do certain things. And it all works together. And it's amazing in God's kingdom how we can pull together people from various diverse backgrounds and come together for a singular purpose. Now, this month's, te- this month's teaching theme is growing together. Those of you here on Sunday heard Pastor Jim uh, break into that topic and start breaking that down for us, talking about life groups. To be better together, we have to grow together. Now, we're going to start out simple going to start out slow. So just saying that simple phrase that we have to grow together means we have to start somewhere. Growing means that there's a starting point. When you have a plant, what do you start with? You start with a seed, you add some dirt, and it takes time. It takes sunlight, it takes water, it takes food. So every growing moment has a starting point. Okay, right, tell me something I don't know, right? All right, hang with me. This has a point. I'm going to take you on a a great tour of Scripture tonight to share with you one basic point, but hopefully your understanding will be expanded. So we all start in our growing journey as people. We all start as individuals. Okay, very basic. At heart, we're all all basically selfish. The Bible declares that we all start out as sinners. Think about some of the little sinners in your households and some of your households that are under the age of five. That's what they are. It's in the Bible. Okay, that's what they are. What are some of the first words that those little creatures learn? No. Yeah, you said it before me, right? What's the other one? Mine. It's mine. Especially you have households with one or more children. Or excuse me, two or more children. That doesn't work with one, right? Two or more children. 
The older one gets jealous of the younger one and says, no, that's mine, don't touch that. They get very territorial. I learned that my daughter, as she got into the teenage years, was very protective of her personal space. I would try to remind her that it started out as our space. We just let her loan it. We just let her borrow it for a while. <laughs> it's not, but they get very territorial and try to claim things that are mine. Now, they don't have to be taught those concepts. It's inherent in little humans from the beginning. And as we grow up, we learn how to function in groups, in school, in sports, in organizations, in church. Now, some learn better than others. You ever heard that phrase, you know, the person in school never learned to work and play well with others? You know, don't be that person. Sometimes people have a little trouble, more trouble than others, working together in groups. But we learn that people are different. Some learn better than others. Some people have different learning styles. We learn that some people have what we want. Sometimes we wonder if we have anything to offer when we compare ourselves with other people in groups. And I'm going to start by reading from Romans chapter 12, where Paul is writing encouragement and teaching to the Christian church in Rome. This was real words for real people at that time, which we can take into this day and time and still apply to our lives. He gives some really practical teaching with one basic, toint, one basic point. Here it is. That all of us have unique gifts from God and that He wants us to use them in the context of groups. So if you don't remember anything else, remember that. Write that down. All of us have unique gifts from God and that He wants us to use them in the context of groups. Now I'm going to read a lot of Scripture. Not meant to overwhelm anybody. Sometimes preachers have been worried about reading too much Scripture, concerned that people may get bored and... And sometimes I believe the Scripture speaks much more clearly than I ever could. And God gave us preachers and teachers to try to explain and break it down. But the passages that I'm going to share with you tonight don't take a lot of explanation. Now, of course, I say that I'm still going to talk, okay? You don't just get to rest. But just hang with me. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul tells young Timothy to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. There it is. It all goes hand in hand. So we shouldn't be afraid of that. In the Old Testament, there are several instances where it mentions that the Jewish people gathered in the public square and the temple courts to hear the public proclamation of the Word of God. So here we go. Let's listen and let it come alive. In Romans 12, 1 through 8, I'll give you the main point. It says, we are one in the body of Christ. Romans 12, 1 through 8. And you can follow along if you have the app or on the screen, of course. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, where it says brothers, you can say sisters as well in the Greek. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's pretty clear, right? But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him 
Govern diligently. Oh, I have to pause here for a moment. You know how you identify a good leader? That they have followers. There's an old saying that says, says, he who leads but no one follows is just taking a long walk. <laughs> Think about that. Okay, I just had to throw that in there. That, that was free. It says, if it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now here's a laundry list of spiritual gifts. We'll come back to that. It also talks about how we are all one in the body of Christ. The term body of Christ comes with a simple comparison with comparison with the human body. Paul gives a very vivid illustration there from something everybody knows about. Everybody's human. We all have a body in some form. Now, to work together as a team, we can't be selfish. Remember how I started off talking about how we begin life as naturally selfish creatures? What is the antidote or solution to selfishness? It's love. So let's continue on in Scripture. Just follow along in Romans 12. Go to verses 9 and 10. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And there it is. That's the foundation of working well together in a group. And that's the next point in your notes. The foundation of working well together in a group. Love, it puts away selfishness. That's what it's for. It helps us to focus on somebody else, not just ourselves. And we'll come back to this later too. The rest of Romans chapter 12, at first glance, seems like a laundry list of Proverbs. Just helpful sayings that don't all necessarily seem to go together. But now that we've read the beginning of this in the context, talks about people's gifts, talks about putting love into action, think about this in the framework of helpful advice and wisdom for getting along with other people in groups. Very practical stuff right here. Individual actions that help us all get along better. So the next portion, I'm going to finish the chapter, Romans 12, 11 through 21. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Okay, good attitude, right? Patient in affliction when things go bad. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That's a tough one. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That's those celebration moments, right? Mourn with those who mourn. Sympathize, empathize with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Oh, if it were only that easy. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position or people who are different than us, people who we don't automatically just click with. Do not be conceited. It goes on here. There's a lot of stuff here. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Whew, that's, let that sink in a little bit, right? As far as it depends on you, because a lot of us want to be fixers, right? We want to be fixers. We want to help, help things. We want to, we want to make it right. But, you know, I'm gonna, here's another freebie, okay? Marriage relationships, some of the best advice I ever got is people are usually looking for the right person to find the right person, but a good relationship, whether it's marriage or otherwise, starts with being the right person. So think about that and 
As far as it depends on you, do what you know to do is right. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Basically, that's just meaning you'll make him feel really bad because he wasn't nice to you. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that's what utopia would be like. Utopia means a perfect society, and there have been many that have tried to create that. Even the official motto of the United States printed on our official documents and and currency is e pluribus unum, means, it's a Latin phrase meaning out of many, one. Several people had the vision that we can take people from all nations and cultures, and in that case, the different states and different beliefs, and come together for one common purpose, for the common good. So that's not just a biblical... It started as a biblical principle, but obviously that's gone into our society and culture. If only our world would learn to put these things into practice. Several years ago, there's a book uh, that was very popular. Some of you may have heard of it called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And it spawned a series of books with similar titles. And here's some very simple things, very, very prescient words that relate to these scriptures here. And so the author says, here's the things, here are the rules I learned in kindergarten. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your messes. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. It's in there, right? And then, you know, wash your hands after you flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Mmm, oh yeah. Oh, by the way, let me put in a plug. Connect time tonight for young adults in the cafe. That just reminded me, okay? Get yourself a warm muffin or something in there, okay? Live a balanced life, learn some and think some, and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. All those are things that generally happen in kindergarten, right? Take a nap every afternoon. Oh, yeah. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule in love and basic sanitation, ecology, politics, equality, insane living. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had cookies and milk about three o'clock every afternoon and then lay down with our blankies for a nap. (laughs) Oh, that would be great. I just read a study recently, too, about how, um, uh, how taking a nap can be beneficial, yet our culture, our American culture, makes you feel bad if you do that in the middle of the day. But there's a few nap takers out there. Or think how great it could be, this is so from the author, how great it could be if all the governments of the world had as a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own messes. And it's still true, no matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. Words of wisdom. And that's actually from a Christian author too. Robert Fulgham was the author who's also a minister. But hold on to those thoughts. And let's go back now that we've talked about how to function in a group, practical words for living, and we're going to go back to spiritual gifts. So follow me over now 
to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Interesting parallel here too. Now, the chapter division didn't come until later, but the uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is really a parallel passage to Romans chapter 12. So when you're doing your study, this later too, and I'm going to give you homework, all right? Then uh, pay attention to how these, how these passages interact there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul echoes the themes of Romans chapter 12, but with more detail. Now, he's writing to two different churches, but talking about the same thing. So apparently, he really wants Christians to get this point. He repeated it to two different churches, and there's elements of this even in other letters. To the church in Corinth, which is a city in Greece that still exists, I've actually had the good fortune to visit there, they'd been experimenting with different kinds of gifts in the Spirit, just experiencing this new life in Christ and manifestations of the gifts of Spirit. But some things were getting out of hand because personality got in the way, and Paul thought they needed guidance for how to work well together as a team and the body of Christ. Due to selfishness, they got the idea that some people were more special than others if they had certain gifts. They made some people feel bad if they didn't have certain gifts. So Paul was very direct with them. So listen, 1 Corinthians 12, 1-11. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each man just as he determines. So here we have a listing of several types of gifts, and the types aren't important to focus on right now, but notice that Paul sets the stage in verse 11 by saying that the Holy Spirit distributes the gift to each one just as he determines. So remember, when it comes to gifts, God is in control. Now let me start to break down spiritual gifts by talking about superheroes. Yes, yeah, you heard me right. Superheroes, that's what I said. Yeah, Captain America, the Hulk, Superman, you get the idea, right? The superheroes that we hear about in comic books and movies. Now think about superheroes. Our culture loves superheroes. Most of you have favorites. Some of you even have t-shirts and jammies with your favorite superheroes. Oh yeah, you could admit it. I've even witnessed a couple just tonight, uh, a couple superhero themes on t-shirts that are around here even in this audience. My son, uh, who I mentioned already, he's a teen. He's over in Boulevard Ministry tonight over the Christmas time period. He went to a get-together hosted by our own Pastor Tito. And just as a fun thing, he wanted the kids and part of his leadership group to wear onesies. Apparently that's a popular thing again. I don't get it, but apparently it's a popular thing. I, I do not have my own. Pastor Mark, I think he does, but I don't. Pastor Jim and I just say we got to draw the line somewhere. Okay. But Pastor Tito, you know, even had his own onesie. So sometimes if you haven't met Pastor Tito, if you come up to him in the hallway, ask him what 
favorite superhero of his is on his one tee. That'll make for a great conversation starter. So go up to Pastor Tito and ask him that. And his wife had one too. So why do we like superheroes? Mainly because of the superpowers. Now there have been surveys about what type of superpowers people would want. Generally, the top ones are flying, invisibility, teleportation. Now if you could teleport from one place to another, who needs flying, right? I mean, you don't need to fly anywhere. That's the one that I would pick. Every year there's multiple movies celebrating superheroes and their superpowers and magic, which is similar to superpower. Think Harry Potter. These characters are so much in our culture, it almost seems that they're real. Now, some of these superpowers are just getting ridiculous. I think they're running out of ideas. Like, I mean, how practical, how good is being able to turn into a ball of fire? That's one of those I don't get. get. You know, if you're a fan of the Fantastic Four, you know, and like the Human Torch, you know, he has other skills too, other superpowers. But some of them just, you know, don't make sense. It just every year there's multiple movies because we have an obsession almost in our culture with superheroes and superpowers. Now think about this, coming back to the Bible. Even most secular movies, think about this. Think about if you had gone to movies, if you saw a superhero movie or just on TV, even most secular movies present a biblical principle without even knowing it. Most of them probably didn't even intend this. But they show that superpowers, otherwise known to us as gifts, talents, abilities, that we wish we could have, the movies show that, on the most part, those superpowers are meant for the greater good to help society. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that we already read, says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There it is, plain as day in the Bible, and movie producers are repeating biblical principles. Isn't that amazing? Without without even knowing it. So point that out to someone when you're exiting the movie theater sometime, right? Now those who use their superpowers for evil or selfish reasons usually get defeated by the good guys. You know, there's some exceptions, but remember, those are secular movies. They're not biblical. But using our gifts is about serving others. It's not for us. It comes back to serving the group, how to function well in a group, whether you call that society, group, church, wherever you are, think about superheroes when you think about these passages that you want to use your superpowers because God gives us superpowers. Amazing. We talked about several gifts that are supernatural in nature. We are a Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled church. God gives us true superpowers that the world can uh, can only just bow down at. But with those comes responsibility as well. But all this talk about superheroes, just to make a point, that inherently humans long to have gifts. They long to be viewed by the world as special. And think about how our world rewards people with entertainment gifts, sports, somebody who's good in sports, singing, acting. You know, all you have to say, you know, have you seen YouTube lately? (laughs) A lot of wannabes, people, you know, want to be out there. They think they want to be famous and they want that recognition because they want gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 addresses this. They know that people are selfish, they're jealous, they have all these emotions. And we need some guidance for be able to, how to be able to function together and use these. Now, when gifts show up, as I mentioned, some people get jealous, some people are discontent, some people don't think they have any gifts or purpose. They feel inferior. There's a classic Peanuts cartoon that shows Charlie Brown, Linus, and Lucy 
all lying on a hill and they're just looking up at the clouds. You know, if you ever had time to do that on a nice, you know, spring day, just to look at the clouds. You know, most of us don't take time to do that anymore. But Lucy says, you know, if you use your imagination, you can see lots of things up in the cloud formations. What do you see, Linus? Now, Linus, you know, he's the scholar in the group, if you know the Peanuts cartoons. And he says, well, those clouds up there look to me like the map of British Honduras on the Caribbean. And the cloud up there looks a little like the profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous painter and sculptor. And he says, that group of clouds over there gives me the impression of the stoning of Stephen. And and I think I can even see the Apostle Paul standing off to the side. And Lucy says, wow, you know, that's that's a great observation, Linus. You know, Charlie Brown, what, what did you see in the clouds? And Charlie Brown says, well, I was going to say I saw a ducky and a horsey, but I changed my mind. <laughs> you know, have you ever felt that way that, that nobody really even wanted your opinion? Here's some more guidance on how the body of Christ should function. So let's continue on to read the rest of 1 Corinthians 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Now think about here. He's talking about just a very vivid illustration. Pretty simple, right? Easy to understand. But start making the jump here, making the leap to the body of Christ. It says, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. We talked about the people inferior. So that there should be no division in the body. Can't we all just get along? But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. This is what's called reading between the lines, by the way. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Hear that? In Romans chapter 12, we talked about that. Rejoice with one another. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. Very clear illustration how God put our body together, this intricate design we call the human body, and he used that as a very clear illustration about how the body of Christ in our different roles, gifts, and ability 
should function together. You know, some are more visible and therefore draw more attention. Some are not obvious and protected and may not seem to get enough recognition. You know, as I look around the church on any given week, you see many eyes, ears, hands, arms, legs, feet, torsos, you know, all appropriately clothed. You know, what I've never actually seen is a heart. Never actually seen one. On those few occasions I've seen a heart in pictures or on TV, I've been fascinated by the intricacies of its workings, but not particularly impressed by its beauty. Remove the heart from each of us, and we would have hundreds of lifeless bodies just left in this room. The body needs a heart as unsightly as it may be. Some would say the most important organ in the body. But again, just as soon as you say that, just based on what we read in Scripture, you could say you can't really single one out, can you? But that particular one has a pretty big impact, right? You remove it, we're gone. Functioning, but you can't see it so it doesn't get the same appreciation. Spent a lot of time as a pastor in in medical wards and hospitals. How many times uh, people that get treated for heart attacks and they're treated afterwards and their doctors are telling them, you got to change the way you you eat. You got to change the way the exercise. You got to change the way that you live. You know, look at your lifestyle. But most of the time, as long as it's ticking, people don't pay attention to it. It doesn't get the attention that it needs. You got to take care of those things. And so God is simply saying that, and Paul, God speaking through Paul and saying that all of it is very important. You know, the big toe, it doesn't seem very uh, significant, does it? Football players know this. You know, you ever heard somebody talk about a toe injury in football? You think, oh man, they just hurt their toe. But the big toe in particular affects the, especially the running back, you know, or someone who's sprinting off the line, it affects their ability to get balance and speed. So if someone lost their big toe who is an athlete, they wouldn't be able to function and use those other gifts that God has given them. You know, it all works together. Just that one seemingly insignificant thing makes a big difference. And so the fact is that the church of Jesus Christ has a lot of big toes that are taken for granted. You know, yeah, don't try telling somebody that outside of this context, okay? You know, you can tell your friend, you're my big toe, you know, you're my big toe. I'm the little toe. No, you're the big toe, okay? <laughs> but we're all, no one is too poor or insignificant to be important to the body of Christ. Very important message. No one is ever too insignificant. Maybe you just need a help, a little help unearthing that and discovering your gift. So 1 Corinthians gives us more guidance for how to function together in a group, but unfortunately, selfishness gets in the way again, and Paul points out that the antidote or the solution is love. Now, the next chapter, chapter 13, is often called simply the love chapter. It's sometimes used out of context, very popular at weddings to set an example for married love, but many people pass over the first three verses, but let me read these to show you how they tie into chapter 12. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Maybe it has some new meaning for you now, thinking in context of chapter 12. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal, just making a lot of noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It doesn't matter if I am an eloquent speaker, if I have all these visible gifts, If I don't have love underneath it all, it doesn't mean anything. And all these gifts are meant to help other people. Pretty clear, huh? Right there in the Word of God. 
So the last point here is another one of our core values, simply that saved people serve people. Let's say that one together, right? Saved people serve people. One more time. Saved people serve people. If you have Jesus, use your gifts to serve others. Now, I've been blessed to have the position of being the head server. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> the chief volunteer, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to say. But to organize people into a greater effort in this community, this church community, this physical, this city community, to be able to reach out and do good for others. That's one thing we're doing. To support this core value, we've developed ways to help you discover your gifts, your purpose, and how to serve through our new Next Steps class. We take you through a simple spiritual gifts discovery assessment and introduce you to areas where you can put your faith into practice and serve others. You can connect with life groups, learn how to do life with others, function well together with others in groups. And if you want to learn more, you just sign up online for the class. Go to our app or website. We have the next classes this week. It's going to be regular throughout the year. It's the same class that repeats. Some people have asked, do I have to take multiple classes? No, it's the same class offered every time. Just got to go to one. So if you're interested in serving, especially discovering your gifts, finding out more of what's happening at Westover Hills, second and fourth Sunday of every month, next one's coming up this Sunday, use your gifts to serve others. And so spiritual gifts are simply special attributes that are given by the Holy Spirit to use to serve others within the local church and beyond. They're given to us from God. We don't do anything to earn them. We don't get to choose the gifts that we want. Now, they're equally valuable in God's eyes. God sees all the gifts. He sees them as useful, and He wants us to use all those gifts in the church. Now, spiritual gifts, that's another message. That's more teaching to get in depth about the scriptures here too. I really encourage you to go back into Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Do some serious study. Look at those gifts. If you want help understanding those, there's resources online. You can come talk to a pastor, talk to one of your ministry leaders about these things too, but just find out what these things mean and what they are. You know, some of them are called the charismatic gifts, you know, such as speaking in tongues, interpretation, prophecy, all those things. You know, very important gifts for the working of the body of Christ. There's also what I call the practical gifts, leadership, administration, serving, helping others. But identifying your gifts, usually they're associated with personality. You know, think of a time when you just felt energized, where you just felt in the zone doing something that you love. That usually is a clear indicator of that your spiritual gifts are at work in that setting. And this, we're taking you to teach you to learn how to apply those in the church setting, in the body of Christ, to be able to reach out and help others. Because goodness knows... The church should set the example for how to work and play well together. Amen? We should be setting the example. And we're not all perfect, and we have to come to God for learning and healing. And that's one reason we come together, to learn from each other, to share with one another, to build each other up. You know, I encourage you, you can use these gifts right here at Westover Hills. There are places to get involved on a regular basis, you know, from our First Impressions team greeting people ushering, making people whether feel welcomed, whether they're our guests or people who have been there for a long time, just hugging on people, loving on people, working with our kids or teens. The whole range of gifts is needed there. You don't even have to like kids to work in kids ministry. Oh, did I say that out loud? Okay. <laughs> you know, you just have to want to serve. You know, you may say, kids aren't my thing. Kids aren't my thing, particularly. But God calls us. We can serve in the background. There's tech teams at work. We have people in the back here, people in the background working with our 
uh, live production, the technical arts, there's performing arts, there's vocalists, musicians. You can come and pray with people. You can visit people in the hospital. You can be a life group leader. You can help with our various life life stage ministries such as just with the young adults ministry here too, men's, women's, family life. There is no excuse for not putting your gifts to work here at Westover Hills, and we want to help you to be able to find that. But take this time now as we just close with a simple prayer, just a simple time of contemplation, focusing on God. You know, hopefully this has been something that has just opened your eyes that, wow, maybe there is something for me. Maybe I haven't discovered it. Or if you're already involved in serving and putting your gifts into action, it's just a great confirmation that you are on the right track. You are doing the right thing. And thank you so much again for our dedicated people who make things happen here week after week, day after day. I thank you so much just for your dedication. But we need to reach out and teach other people to do the same. And again, we'll help you, guide you along the way to discover your purpose in Christ. And in God's eyes, all people are special. And God calls us to serve Him by serving others. Let's say it again. Save people, serve people. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are humbled in your sight, Lord, with just with the power of your word, a simple word that is made real to us tonight. Just make it hit home with people today. Just let people go from this place with a new realization, a new hope that they can make a difference for you, that they do have a special gift. They do have a special talent. It, it may not be recognized in other places, but they have a place where they can make a difference. And just, if there's someone here who knows that they have a gift and has been, oh, convicted, has been talked to and have heard you urging them to get involved, but they just were reluctant to step out, give them the boldness. Let other people come to them and encourage them and help them in that. Let them come to us. But just pray that you will challenge people's hearts to get in and do your work, Lord, before your glory. And it's all about just reaching people for you. Help us to be bold in spreading your word and spreading your message. But sometimes it's just offering a cup of water to someone in need, as your word says. Just offering a helping hand to somebody, an encouraging word, an encouraging touch. Let us seek ways that we can always be a light for you in a dark world. And as you have filled us up, Lord, let us take that and pour it out of our lives to others. Lord, for those who may not know you, they're still looking for their place in discovering you, Lord. Just pray that you make your word real to them, that they will come to you and acknowledge their need for you and ask for your forgiveness and dedicate their lives to serving you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.